Chapter Six of Glimpses of Unfamiliar Japan, First Series by Lafcadio Hearn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six Bon Odori. Section One Over the Mountains to Izumo, the Land of the Kamiyo. Note The Period in Which Only Deities Existed. End of Note the land of the ancient gods a journey of four days by kuruma with strong runners from the pacific to the sea of japan for we have taken the longest and least frequented route through valleys most of this long route lies valleys always open to higher valleys while the road ascends valleys between mountains with rice fields ascending their slopes by successions of diked terraces which look like enormous green flights of steps above them are shadowing sombre forests of cedar and pine and above these wooded summits loom indigo shapes of farther hills overtopped by peaked silhouettes of vapory grey the air is lukewarm and windless and distances are gauzed by delicate mists and in this tenderest of blue skies this japanese sky which always seems to me loftier than any other sky which i ever saw there are only day after day some few filmy spectral diaphanous white wandering things like ghosts of clouds riding on the wind but sometimes as the road ascends the rice fields disappear awhile fields of barley and of indigo and of rye and of cotton fringe the route for a little space and then it plunges into forest shadows above all else the forests of cedar sometimes bordering the way are astonishments never outside of the tropics did i see any growths comparable for density and perpendicularity with these every trunk is straight and bare as a pillar the whole front presents the spectacle of an immeasurable massing of pallid columns towering up into a cloud of sombre foliage so dense that one can distinguish nothing overhead but branchings lost in shadow and the profundities beyond the rare gaps in the palisade of blanched trunks are night-black as in dora's pictures of fir woods no more great towns only thatched villages nestling in the folds of the hills each with its buddhist temple lifting a tilted roof of blue-gray tiles above the congregation of thatched homesteads and its mia or shinto shrine with a torii before it like a great ideograph shaped in stone or wood but buddhism still dominates every hilltop has its terra and the statues of buddhas or bodhisattvas appear by the roadside as we travel on with the regularity of milestones often a village terra is so large that the cottages of the rustic folk about it seem like little outhouses and the traveller wonders how so costly an edifice of prayer can be supported by a community so humble and everywhere the signs of the gentle faith appear its ideographs and symbols are chiselled upon the faces of the rocks its icons smile upon you from every shadowy recess by the way even the very landscape betimes would seem to have been moulded by the soul of it where hills rise softly as a prayer and the summits of some are domed like the head of shaka 
and the dark bossy frondage that closed them might seem the clustering of his curls but gradually with the passing of the days as we journey into the loftier west i see fewer and fewer terra such buddhist temples as we pass appear small and poor and the wayside images become rarer and rarer but the symbols of shinto are more numerous and the structure of its miya larger and loftier and the torii are visible everywhere and tower higher before the approaches to villages before the entrances of courts guarded by strangely grotesque lions and foxes of stone and before stairways of old mossed rock upsloping between dense growths of ancient cedar and pine to shrines that moulder in the twilight of holy groves at one little village i see just beyond the torii leading to a great shinto temple a particularly odd small shrine and feel impelled by curiosity to examine it leaning against its closed doors are many short gnarled sticks in a row miniature clubs irreverently removing these and opening the little doors akira bids me look within i see only a mask the mask of a goblin a tengu grotesque beyond description with an enormous nose so grotesque that i feel remorse for having looked at it the sticks are votive offerings by dedicating one to the shrine it is believed that the tengu may be induced to drive one's enemies away goblin shaped though they appear in all japanese paintings and carvings of them the tengu sama are divinities lesser divinities lords of the art of fencing and the use of all weapons and other changes gradually become manifest akira complains that he can no longer understand the language of the people we are traversing regions of dialects the houses are so architecturally different from those of the country folk of the northeast their high thatched roofs are curiously decorated with bundles of straw fastened to a pole of bamboo parallel with the roof ridge and elevated about a foot above it the complexion of the peasantry is darker than in the northeast and i see no more of those charming rosy faces one observes among the women of the tokyo districts and the peasants wear different hats hats pointed like the straw roofs of those little wayside temples curiously enough called an which means a straw hat the weather is more than warm rendering clothing oppressive and as we pass through the little villages along the road i see much healthy cleanly nudity pretty naked children brown men and boys with only a soft narrow white cloth about their loins asleep on the matted floors all the paper screens of the houses having been removed to admit the breeze the men seem to be lightly and supplely built but i see no saliency of muscles the lines of the figure are always smooth before almost every dwelling indigo spread out upon little mats of rice straw may be seen drying in the sun the country folk gaze wonderingly at the foreigner at various places where we halt old men approach to touch my clothes apologizing with humble bows and winning smiles for their very natural curiosity and asking my interpreter all sorts of odd questions gentler and kindlier faces i never beheld and they reflect the souls behind them never yet have i heard a voice raised in anger nor observed an unkindly act 
and each day as we travel the country becomes more beautiful beautiful with that fantasticality of landscape only to be found in volcanic lands but for the dark forests of cedar and pine and this far faint dreamy sky and the soft whiteness of the light there are moments of our journey when i could fancy myself again in the west indies ascending some winding way over the morns of dominica or of martinique and indeed i find myself sometimes looking against the horizon glow for shapes of palms and sabas but the brighter green of the valleys and of the mountain slopes beneath the woods is not the green of young cane but of rice fields thousands upon thousands of tiny rice fields no larger than cottage gardens separated from each other by narrow serpentine dikes section two in the very heart of a mountain range while rolling along the verge of a precipice above rice fields i catch sight of a little shrine in a cavity of the cliff overhanging the way and halt to examine it the sides and sloping roof of the shrine are formed by slabs of unhewn rock within smiles a rudely chiselled image of bato quanon quanon with the horse's head and before it bunches of wild flowers have been placed and an earthen incense cup and scattered offerings of dry rice contrary to the idea suggested by the strange name this form of quanon is not horse-headed but the head of a horse is sculptured upon the tiara worn by the divinity and the symbolism is fully explained by a large wooden sotoba planted beside the shrine and bearing among other inscriptions the words bato kwanze on bosatsu gyuba bodai hanye for bato kwanon protects the horses and the cattle of the peasant and he prays her not only that his dumb servants may be preserved from sickness but also that their spirits may enter after death into a happier state of existence near the sotoba there has been erected a wooden framework about four feet square filled with little tablets of pine set edge to edge so as to form one smooth surface and on these are written in rows of hundreds the names of all who subscribed for the statue and its shrine the number announced is ten thousand but the whole cost could not have exceeded ten japanese dollars yen wherefore i surmise that each subscriber gave not more than one rin one-tenth of a sen or cent for the hyakusho are unspeakably poor note hyakusho a peasant husbandman the two chinese characters forming the word signify respectively a hundred hyaku and family name say one might be tempted to infer that the appellation is almost equivalent to our phrase their name is legion and a japanese friend assures me that the inference would not be far wrong anciently the peasants had no family name each was known by his personal appellation coupled with the name of his lord as possessor or ruler thus a hundred peasants on one estate would all be known by the name of their master End of note. in the midst of these mountain solitudes the discovery of that little shrine creates a delightful sense of security surely nothing save goodness 
can be expected from a people gentle-hearted enough to pray for the souls of their horses and cows note this custom of praying for the souls of animals is by no means general but i have seen in the western provinces several burials of domestic animals at which such prayers were said after the earth was filled in some incense rods were lighted above the grave in each instance and the prayers were repeated in a whisper a friend in the capital sends me the following curious information at the echo in temple in tokyo prayers are offered up every morning for the souls of certain animals whose ihai mortuary tablets are preserved in the building a fee of thirty sen will procure burial in the temple ground and a short service for any small domestic pet doubtless similar temples exist elsewhere certainly no one capable of affection for our dumb friends and servants can mock these gentle customs End of note. as we proceed rapidly down a slope my kurumaya swerves to one side with a suddenness that gives me a violent start for the road overlooks a sheer depth of several hundred feet it is merely to avoid hurting a harmless snake making its way across the path the snake is so little afraid that on reaching the edge of the road it turns its head to look after us section three and now strange signs begin to appear in all these rice fields i see everywhere sticking up above the ripening grain objects like white feathered arrows arrows of prayer i take one up to examine it the shaft is a thin bamboo split down for about one-third of its length into the slit a strip of strong white paper with ideographs upon it an ofuda a shinto charm is inserted and the separated ends of the cane are then rejoined and tied together just above it the whole at a little distance has exactly the appearance of a long light well-feathered arrow that which i first examine bears the words yu asaki jinja kozen son chuanzen from the god whose shrine is before the village of peace another reads miho jinja shoguanjo ju go kito shugo signifying that the deity of the temple miho jinja granteth fully every supplication made unto him everywhere as we proceed i see the white arrows of prayer glimmering above the green level of the grain and always they become more numerous far as the eye can reach the fields are sprinkled with them so that they make upon the verdant surface a white speckling as of flowers sometimes also around a little rice field i see a sort of magical fence formed by little bamboo rods supporting a long cord from which long straws hang down like a fringe and paper cuttings which are symbols gohei are suspended at regular intervals this is the shimenawa sacred emblem of shinto within the consecrated space enclosed by it no blight may enter no scorching sun wither the young shoots and where the white arrows glimmer the locusts shall not prevail nor shall hungry birds do evil but now i look in vain for the buddhas no more great tera no shaka no amida 
no dainichinyorai even the bosatsu have been left behind kwanon and her holy kin have disappeared koshin lord of the roads is indeed yet with us but he has changed his name and become a shinto deity he is now sarda hiko no mikoto and his presence is revealed only by the statues of the three mystic apes which are his servants mizaru who sees no evil covering his eyes with his hands kikazaru who hears no evil covering his ears with his hands iwazaru who speaks no evil covering his mouth with his hands yet no one bosatsu survives in this atmosphere of magical shinto still by the roadside i see at long intervals the image of jizo sama the charming playfellow of dead children but jizo also is a little changed even in his sextuple representation note why six jizo instead of five or three or any other number the reader may ask i myself ask the question many times before receiving any satisfactory reply perhaps the following legend affords the most satisfactory explanation according to the book taijo hoshi mingyo nembutsuden jizo bosatsu was a woman ten thousand ko kalpas before this era and became filled with desire to convert all living beings of the six worlds and the four births and by virtue of the supernatural powers she multiplied herself and simultaneously appeared in all the rokusho or six states of sentient existence at once namely in the jigoku gaki chikusho shura ningen tenjo and converted the dwellers thereof a friend insists that in order to have done this jizo must first have become a man among the many names of jizo such as the never slumbering the dragon praiser the shining king diamond of pity i find the significant appellation of the countless bodied End of note. the roku jizo he appears not standing but seated upon his lotus flower and i see no stones piled up before him as in the eastern provinces section four at last from the verge of an enormous ridge the roadway suddenly slopes down into a vista of high-peaked roofs of thatch and green mossed eaves into a village like a coloured print-out of old hiroshige's picture-books a village with all its tints and colours precisely like the tints and colours of the landscape in which it lies this is kamiichi in the land of hoki we halt before a quiet dingy little inn whose host a very aged man comes forth to salute me while a silent gentle crowd of villagers mostly children and women gather about the kuruma to see the stranger to wonder at him even to touch his clothes with timid smiling curiosity one glance at the face of the old innkeeper decides me to accept his invitation i must remain here until to-morrow my runners are too weary to go farther to-night whether worn as the little inn seemed without it is delightful within its polished stairway and balconies are speckless reflecting like mirror surfaces the bare feet of the maid-servants its luminous rooms are fresh and sweet-smelling 
as when their soft mattings were first laid down the carven pillars of the alcove toko in my chamber leaves and flowers chiselled in some black rich wood are wonders and the kakemono or scroll picture hanging there is an ideal hote god of happiness drifting in a bark down some shadowy stream into evening mysteries of vapory purple far as this hamlet is from all art centres there is no object visible in the house which does not reveal the japanese sense of beauty in form the old gold-flowered lacquerware the astonishing box in which sweetmeats kwashi are kept the diaphanous porcelain wine-cups dashed with a single tiny gold figure of a leaping shrimp the teacup holders which are curled lotus leaves of bronze even the iron kettle with its figurings of dragons and clouds and the brazen hibachi whose handles are heads of buddhist lions delight the eye and surprise the fancy indeed wherever to-day in japan one sees something totally uninteresting in porcelain or metal something commonplace and ugly one may be almost sure that detestable something has been shaped under foreign influence but here i am in ancient japan probably no european eyes ever looked upon these things before a window shaped like a heart peeps out upon the garden a wonderful little garden with a tiny pond and miniature bridges and dwarf trees like the landscape of a teacup also some shapely stones of course and some graceful stone lanterns or toro such as are placed in the courts of temples and beyond these through the warm dusk i see lights colored lights the lanterns of the bonku suspended before each home to welcome the coming of beloved ghosts for by the antique calendar according to which in this antique place the reckoning of time is still made this is the first night of the festival of the dead as in all the other little country villages where i have been stopping i find the people here kind to me with a kindness and a courtesy unimaginable indescribable unknown in any other country and even in japan itself only in the interior their simple politeness is not an art their goodness is absolutely unconscious goodness both come straight from the heart and before i have been two hours among these people their treatment of me coupled with the sense of my utter inability to repay such kindness causes a wicked wish to come into my mind i wish these charming folk would do me some unexpected wrong something surprisingly evil something atrociously unkind so that i should not be obliged to regret them which i feel sure i must begin to do so as soon as i go away while the aged landlord conducts me to the bath where he insists upon washing me himself as if i were a child the wife prepares for us a charming little repast of rice eggs vegetables and sweetmeats she is painfully in doubt about her ability to please me even after i have eaten enough for two men and apologizes too much for not being able to offer me more there is no fish she says for to-day is the first day of the bonku the festival of the dead being the thirteenth day of the month on the thirteenth fourteenth and fifteenth of the month 
nobody may eat fish but on the morning of the sixteenth day the fishermen go out to catch fish and everybody who has both parents living may eat of it but if one has lost one's father or mother then one must not eat fish even upon the sixteenth day while the good soul is thus explaining i become aware of a strange remote sound from without a sound i recognize through memory of tropical dances a measured clapping of hands but this clapping is very soft and at long intervals and at still longer intervals there comes to us a heavy muffled booming the tap of a great drum a temple drum oh we must go to see it cries akira it is the bon odori the dance of the festival of the dead and you will see the bon odori dance here as it is never danced in cities the bon odori of ancient days for customs have not changed here but in the cities all is changed so i hasten out wearing only like the people about me one of those light wide-sleeved summer robes yukata which are furnished to male guests at all japanese hotels but the air is so warm that even thus lightly clad i find myself slightly perspiring and the night is divine still clear vaster than nights of europe with a big white moon flinging down queer shadows of tilted eaves and horned gables and delightful silhouettes of robed japanese a little boy the grandson of our host leads the way with a crimson paper lantern and the sonorous echoing of geta the korokoro of wooden sandals fills all the street for many are going whither we are going to see the dance a little while we proceed along the main street then traversing a narrow passage between two houses we find ourselves in a great open space flooded by moonlight this is the dancing place but the dance has ceased for a time looking about me i perceive that we are in the court of an ancient buddhist temple the temple building itself remains intact a low long peaked silhouette against the starlight but it is void and dark and unhallowed now it has been turned they tell me into a schoolhouse the priests are gone the great bell is gone the buddhas and the bodhisattvas have vanished all save one a broken-handed jizo of stone smiling with eyelids closed under the moon in the centre of the court is a framework of bamboo supporting a great drum and about it benches have been arranged benches from the schoolhouse on which villagers are resting there is a hum of voices voices of people speaking very low as if expecting something solemn and cries of children betimes and soft laughter of girls and far behind the court beyond a low hedge of sombre evergreen shrubs i see soft white lights and a host of tall grey shapes throwing long shadows and i know that the lights are the white lanterns of the dead those hung in cemeteries only and that the grey shapes are the shapes of tombs suddenly a girl rises from her seat and taps the huge drum once it is the signal for the dance of souls section five out of the shadow of the temple a processional line of dancers files into the moonlight and as suddenly halts 
all young women or girls clad in their choicest attire the tallest leads her comrades follow in order of stature little maids of ten or twelve years compose the end of the procession figures lightly poised as birds figures that somehow recall the dreams of shapes circling about certain antique vases those charming japanese robes close clinging about the knees might seem but for the great fantastic drooping sleeves and the curious broad girdles confining them designed after the drawing of some greek or etruscan artist and at another tap of the drum there begins a performance impossible to picture in words something unimaginable phantasmal a dance an astonishment altogether glide the right foot forward one pace without lifting the sandal from the ground and extend both hands to the right with a strange floating motion and a smiling mysterious obeisance then the right foot is drawn back with a repetition of the waving of hands and the mysterious bow then all advance the left foot and repeat the previous movements half turning to the left then all take two gliding paces forward with a single simultaneous soft clap of the hands and the first performance is reiterated alternately to right and left all the sandaled feet gliding together all the supple hands waving together all the pliant bodies bowing and swaying together and so slowly weirdly the processional movement changes into a great round circling about the moonlit court and around the voiceless crowd of spectators note since this sketch was written i have seen the bon odori in many different parts of japan but i have never witnessed exactly the same kind of dance indeed i would judge from my experiences in izumo in oki in totori in hoki in bingo and elsewhere that the bon odori is not danced in the same way in any two provinces not only do the motions and gestures vary according to locality but also the airs of the songs sung and this even when the words are the same in some places the measure is slow and solemn in others it is rapid and merry and characterized by a queer jerky swing impossible to describe but everywhere both the motion and the melody are curious and pleasing enough to fascinate the spectator for hours certainly these primitive dances are of far greater interest than the performances of geisha although buddhism may have utilized them and influenced them they are beyond doubt incomparably older than buddhism End of note. and always the white hands sinuously wave together as if weaving spells alternately without and within the round now with palms upward now with palms downward and all the elfish sleeves hover duskily together with a shadowing as of wings and all the feet poise together with such a rhythm of complex motion that in watching it one feels a sensation of hypnotism as while striving to watch a flowing and shimmering of water and this soporous allurement is intensified by a dead hush no one speaks not even a spectator and 
in the long intervals between the soft clapping of hands one hears only the shrilling of the crickets in the trees and the sh, -sh of sandals lightly stirring the dust unto what i ask myself may this be likened unto nothing yet it suggests some fancy of somnambulism dreamers who dream themselves flying dreaming upon their feet and there comes to me the thought that i am looking at something immemorially old something belonging to the unrecorded beginnings of this oriental life perhaps to the crepuscular cameo itself to the magical age of the gods a symbolism of motion whereof the meaning has been forgotten for innumerable years yet more and more unreal the spectacle appears with its silent smilings with its silent bowings as if obeisance to watchers invisible and i find myself wondering whether were i to utter but a whisper all would not vanish for ever save the grey mouldering court and the desolate temple and the broken statue of jizo smiling always the same mysterious smile i see upon the faces of the dancers under the wheeling moon in the midst of the round i feel as one within the circle of a charm and verily this is enchantment i am bewitched bewitched by the ghostly weaving of hands by the rhythmic gliding of feet above all by the flitting of the marvellous leaves apparitional soundless velvety as a flitting of great tropical bats no nothing i ever dreamed of could be likened to this and with the consciousness of the ancient hakaba behind me and the weird invitation of his lanterns and the ghostly beliefs of the hour and the place there creeps upon me a nameless tingling sense of being haunted but no these gracious silent waving weaving shapes are not of the shadowy folk for whose coming the white fires were kindled a strain of song full of sweet clear quavering like the call of a bird gushes from some girlish mouth and fifty soft voices join the chant sorota soroimashita odoriko ga sorota soroikite kitahare yukata uniform to view as ears of young rice ripening in the field all clad alike in summer festal robes the company of dancers have assembled again only the shrilling of the crickets the shush of feet the gentle clapping and the wavering hovering measure proceeds in silence with mesmeric lenter with a strange grace which by its very naivete seems old as the encircling hills those who sleep the sleep of centuries out there under the grey stones where the white lanterns are and their fathers and their fathers of their fathers fathers and the unknown generations behind them buried in cemeteries of which the place has been forgotten for a thousand years doubtless looked upon a scene like this nay the dust stirred by those young feet was human life and so smiled and so sang under this self-same moon with woven paces and with waving hands suddenly a deep male chant breaks the hush two giants have joined the round and now lead it two superb young mountain peasants nearly nude 
towering head and shoulders above the whole of the assembly their kimono are rolled about their waist-like girdles leaving their bronzed limbs and torsos naked to the warm air they wear nothing else save their immense straw hats and white tabi donned expressly for the festival never before among these people saw i such men such thews but their smiling beardless faces are comely and kindly as those of japanese boys they seem brothers so like in frame in movement in the timbre of their voices as they intone the same song no demo yama demo ko wa umiyokeo senryo kurayori kogatakara whether brought forth upon the mountain or in the field it matters nothing more than a treasure of one thousand ryo a baby precious is and jizo the lover of children's ghosts smiles across the silence souls close to nature's soul are these artless and touching their thought like the worship of that kishibojin to whom wives pray and after the silence the sweet thin voices of the women answer o muotoko ni sowa sanu oyawa oyade gozaranu kono kataki the parents who will not allow their girl to be united with her lover they are not the parents but the enemies of their child as song follows song and the round ever becomes larger and the hours pass unfelt unheard while the moon wheels slowly down the blue steeps of the night a deep low boom rolls suddenly across the court the rich tone of some temple bell telling the twelfth hour instantly the witchcraft ends like the wonder of some dream broken by a sound the chanting ceases the round dissolves in an outburst of happy laughter and chatting and softly voweled callings of flower names which are the names of girls and farewell cries of sayonara as dancers and spectators alike betake themselves homeward with a great korokoro of getas and i moving with the throng in the bewildered manner of one suddenly roused from sleep know myself ungrateful these silvery laughing folk who now toddle along beside me upon their noisy little clogs stepping very fast to get a peep at my foreign face these but a moment ago were visions of archaic grace illusions of necromancy delightful phantoms and i feel a vague resentment against them for thus materializing into simple country girls section six lying down to rest i ask myself the reason of the singular emotion inspired by that simple peasant chorus utterly impossible to recall the air with its fantastic intervals and fractional tones as well attempt to fix in memory the purlings of a bird but the indefinable charm of it lingers with me still melodies of europe awaken within us feelings we can utter sensations familiar as mother speech inherited from all the generations behind us but how explain the emotion evoked by a primitive chant totally unlike anything in western melody impossible even to write in those tones which are the ideographs of our music tongue and the emotion itself what is it i know not 
yet i feel it to be something infinitely more old than i something not of only one place or time but vibrant to all common joy or pain of being under the universal sun then i wonder if the secret does not lie in some untaught spontaneous harmony of that chant with nature's most ancient song in some unconscious kinship to the music of solitudes all trillings of summer life that blend to make the great sweet cry of the land end of chapter six